Welcome back to Round Guy the Podcast. That was my good friend Bob Zaney uh, introducing the show. Uh, today's guest is Bob Bob DeWitt of Galesburg, Illinois. Also uh, uh, an admirer of Bob Zaney. Uh, and uh, we're doing day tripping with, with Bob DeWitt, episode three. Welcome back to the program, Bob. Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, weather's getting warm, so uh, hopefully we can start doing some trips. Uh, looking a little bit into northern uh, northern Missouri now. We're getting out of Iowa for the last couple of times we talked about Iowa, but it's uh, it'll be a day trip for somebody. You've got listeners all over, so yeah. Well, it'd be a day trip for most of our listeners. Anybody in southeast Iowa, that's we're what we're going to talk about. It's not that far away. So let our listeners know what are we going to talk about. Uh, Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marceline, Missouri. And Disney's getting kind of a bad rap right now, and, I, and honestly, not to get into politics, but I think it's well-deserved. Uh, not the company Walt envisioned, I don't think, but that's just my personal opinion. But uh, the Walt Disney Hometown Museum uh, which was uh, founded in 2001 in Marceline. It's it's uh, the little town is where Walt spent uh, his formative years, is what he said, from uh, five years old to ten years old. He was born in Chicago in uh, 01, but in uh, in 1905 uh, they moved to Marceline and had a farm there. And it's what he always called his happy place. He loved Marceline. Uh, he said his, uh, there's a big tree there called the dream. He called it the dreaming tree. And supposedly, and if you've read his autobiographies, he sat under that tree and that's where his imagination went wild. And, and, uh, he learned to draw in that town and, and, uh, just an interesting area. It's, it's in the old, uh, Santa Fe. Uh, train depot, which is when they came to town, that's where they came in. And of course, Walt was a big train fan, I think most people know. And uh, the artifacts in this museum are incredible. His sister Ruth donated over 4,000 items to get this museum started. Uh, one of them, which I think is cool, is basically her living room. Uh, when Walt, uh, when uh, Disneyland opened in 1955. Uh, she didn't like to travel and she didn't like crowds, so Walt bought her a TV so she could watch the premiere and the opening of Disneyland on her TV, and she donated that TV and couch. So that's part of it. Uh, a lot of a lot of one part of the first floor is just a lot of Disney souvenirs, but some pretty unique ones. And then it goes on to, to there's there's little video stations that tells the history of the family. And uh, if you read any biographies of Walt Disney, uh, he was always looking for his Marceline. And that's how he put it. That was just his happy time when, when, uh, when things started to develop for him as a kid. And, and, uh, he just adopted that town, and in 1956, I believe, the year after Disneyland opened, uh, the town contacted him, sent him a letter, and asked if he would be, uh, if it would be okay to name a city pool that they were raising money for after him. And he called them. He was excited. He wanted to come for the opening. And uh, him and his brother Roy, in a 
wound up coming back to Marceline that year um, for the dedication of the pool. They actually premiered a movie there uh, with Fess Parker. I, I can't remember the, the great locomotive chase. That was the name of the movie, and actually that's showing on a DVD when you're when you're visiting the museum. But uh, really neat area, and uh, the lady that they stayed in her house. They had a farmhouse just north of Marceline, and when they invited Walt and Roy, they didn't know where to put them. They had a rundown hotel. Nobody had air conditioning. And uh, this family had just built this house and it had air conditioning. So they decided to put Walt and Roy there. But, and I've talked to the daughter who was eight years old. She actually was at the museum when we visited. she said they, they had spent all their money on air conditioning, so they had a lot of secondhand furniture. So the town got together and donated some furniture so they could fix the house up so Walt and Roy would have a nice place to stay. And uh, just just a neat place. They, they donated a lot of stuff, and uh, it, it's well worth visiting. Well, look, tell our listeners where Marceline, Missouri is. It's not the easiest place to get to, and it's not a very big town. No, it's right off of uh, Highway 36, and I'm guessing it's probably the halfway point between Hannibal and St. Joe's, and uh, it's probably five miles off of the highway, but I mean, there are big signs up. We we came across it on our way back from St. Joe's, just seeing the sign, and uh, thought, well, we've got a couple of hours, we're, we're heading home, and it was really the highlight of the trip. It was just so much interesting. And then talking to the lady who was eight at the time, uh, and, and her daughter ended up uh, running the museum, and I think she just retired. But uh, just outside of town, and you'll pass it on the way in, but you won't know it until you get to the museum and get the map. But on the way in, there's a town that they, there was a house that uh, Walt and Roy and his sister lived in, and they farmed. And uh, Walt decided in 55 and 56 that uh, they were going to do something special for Marceline. And they started buying up land. Uh, They bought 300 acres under the name of Redlaw, which is Redlaw Enterprises, which is Walter spelled backwards. And they they bought 300 acres, and it was called the Marceline Project. And he knew if he tried to buy it in the Disney name, the price would go up. But he wanted to have a working farm and uh, and an amusement park right there in Missouri. And I'm not sure how that would go in uh, in the winters, where you know I ended up in Florida. But all the, he worked on that for 10 years, right up until his death. And once he passed, they just they just the project was dropped, but they're still donating things. Uh, he had an autopia, I think it was called, which was these little little cars the kids could get in and ride, and, and they actually uh, disassembled that and donated that to uh, Marceline in 1966, and it actually ran at the park for 11 years, and uh, it's been it's been disassembled now. But they're restoring the cars and they laid the concrete for the track so they hope right outside the museum so they're hoping to get that up and running again at some point and i'm sure it won't be every day it'll probably be with volunteers but uh just uh 
just a really neat project, and a lot of people don't, you know, you, you know Disneyland, you know Disney World, and of course they're venturing into current politics, but this is Walt Disney. This is the boy that had the dream to build these things, and all that history is right there. And Main Street USA, which anybody that's been to Disney uh, has heard of, Main Street USA is patterned after Main Street in Marceline, Missouri. And uh, you stand at the end of Main Street and look. You see the clock on the, you know, on the sidewalk, and it, you can see the resemblance. And that—that's what he did. He he patterned that after after Marceline. Well, I have a little uh, Southeast Iowa story about Walt Disney, uh, and I've heard this. It's a legend, and I don't know 100% whether it's true or not. But there's a there is a place in Lockridge, Iowa that has a museum called the Johnny Clock Museum. And uh, Walt Disney had arranged a private viewing, and he went in there and looked at it, and he he tried to buy several of the clocks, and the, the owner just absolutely would not sell. And, and the story is he came back three times, and the last time he offered the guy a million dollars for just one clock, and he turned it down. He says, no, this is, these, these clocks are for everybody to see, he says, and... Uh, but uh, tell me about Walt Disney's life there in Marston. What brought him there? What was his father's occupation? You said, I, you said they were, were they there to farm? Yeah, they bought a apparently they bought a farm, and uh, I, I think his father kind of one of those guys that didn't know exactly what he wanted to do, and uh, ended up farming. I think they had some relatives there, and. Uh, they ended up farming, and they was only there for five years, and uh, they went from there to Kansas City, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure what his father did from Kansas City on, but uh, but even the family, uh, Walt and Roy told Mom and Dad on their 50th anniversary, we're going to send you anywhere in the world you want to go, we're paying for it, and they went to Marceline, Missouri, so the, the whole family just loved that town, and I think once, you know, once they were in California, of course, born in Chicago, that little laid-back uh, lifestyle of, of, uh, of the Midwest, not just Missouri, but the Midwest, I think always appealed to them, and uh, that was just nothing but good memories for him. And and he does talk about Marceline a lot. I've read several biographies of him, and he's always trying to find his Marceline. And uh, the farmhouse is actually still owned by that family, uh, the kid, the eight-year-old at the time, uh, she owns the farm, her and her husband, and behind the farm, and you, if you go there, I'll give you a map, but behind the farm, there's a little parking area, and you walk down this path, and there's you know, little billboards that tells you where you're going, but it takes you back to the barn, and there was a barn that he spent a lot of time in. They recreated that, and Walt actually recreated that barn in California at his house, and that was his studio. And so the <laughs> volunteers got together and built that barn in Marceline, and it, it's uh, you go in there, you want to take a marker and write your name on the wall, it's really hard to find a space. There are literally thousands of drawings. People came in and drew a Mickey Mouse and put their put their name and the date. And uh, really neat, and it's a neat area. It's all grown up with trees and flowers, and it's it's really well taken care of. And the dreaming tree, which is what he called it, where he said that let his imagination run wild, was on the path to that barn, and I think it was 2015, a storm blew it over, and uh, 
a couple years back, uh, some of Walt's relatives, I don't know if it's grandkids or what, but they came in with some uh, dignitaries from from the Disney Corporation, and they planted a, a sapling from that tree that, that uh, was destroyed, and that's growing now, too, and it's all marked on the path, so just interesting area, and if, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of history anyway, and and, uh, and old Hollywood, you know, old Hollywood was just a lot different than today. So uh, Walt was the uh, dreamer and Roy was the money man. Uh, if you read about it, Walt had these big ideas and Roy had to find the money. And uh, it, I guess it worked out for him because uh, the company has grown probably bigger than uh, he had imagined and probably in a direction that I doubt that he would approve of, but course he's gone so it's hard to say well a hundred years of wholesome family entertainment was dreamed up right underneath a, a tree a shade tree there in marceline missouri and that's all down to johnny flusher now but uh we still have those original movies that were you know a, a staple of my childhood and your childhood and everyone else's childhood that grew up around yeah, just, yeah, if somebody wants to get more information on it, just Google Walt Disney's Boyhood Home, and that'll come up, and there's all kinds of pictures and uh, information about it, and uh, it's just, like I said, it's the history, it's, it's uh, uh, the small-town atmosphere that uh, that got him dreaming, and it's where it all started, so where the magic began, I think, is, uh, is how they promote it, so... Um, a lot of neat pictures of, of their visit to Walt and Roy back in the mid-50s. So, Well, there's a, uh, there's another place that's really close to there uh, where General Black Jack Pershing has a, a museum, uh, isn't it? Yep, that, yep. All part, of, all part of the Missouri Park System. And uh, we stopped there, too. It's a really interesting place. Uh, I didn't know a lot about uh, I've heard Black Jack Pershing forever. But didn't know a lot about him. It's actually about 15 miles west of Marcellade on uh, on 36. And it's his boy at home. He wasn't born there. But uh, Black Jack Purging got his name from the Indian Wars. Uh, he was a commander of a, uh, a troop of Buffalo soldiers, African-American soldiers. And uh, he got the name Black Jack from that. Actually, he got the... Uh, a different name, but they don't call him that anymore. But but uh, that's how it became Black Jack Pershing, and a really interesting guy. He ended up being, and uh, I didn't know this actually until recently. I was reading a little more history on him, but uh, he was commissioned during he was uh, he was the Eisenhower of World War One. He was the uh, uh, commander of the U.S. forces in World War One, and. He was uh, promoted to a six-star general, and the only equivalent to that was George Washington in the Revolutionary War. He was the key to attain that rank. And, of course, Eisenhower was a, a five-star general, but uh, Pershing was a six-star general, went to West Point, finished in the bottom of his class, and, uh, and just became quite a commander. And uh, the house, it's got the house he was born in. He actually taught school for a while before he went to West Point. And uh, the school is there. And uh, and it's all around by the Missouri Park Services. So it's worth a stop, too. And like I say, if you like history, he was uh, the commander of uh, uh, 
San Francisco. What's a big base there? I, I can't I can't remember the name of it. But but anyway, he was a commandant there, and while he was in uh, Mexico on assignment, he uh, the the Presidio, it's called Presidio, caught fire, and his wife and three daughters died in that fire. And they thought they were out because he had in-house help and the in-house help had children. And so they mistakenly, the fire department mistakenly thought when they seen her and her kids, they thought it was General Pershing's family. And uh, he actually lost his wife and, and three kids in that fire. And uh, kind of tragic. To, you know, he, he had quite a life, but... Uh, Interesting guy that I never knew a whole lot about until I stopped and got a really nice video they show you on his life and uh, it, it's worth it. Nice little day trip. You can hit them both at the same time actually because they're so close together. What but, is uh, what is the name of the town of Pershing? Well, what is the name of Leclade, I think. L E C L E D E, I think it's spelled. None of these have their own website. It's all under the Missouri Park, uh, Missouri Park or Park System, and I can't remember the website. I don't have it in front of me, but but uh, you know, nice little trip down uh, 36. A lot of history there. Of course, you start in Hannibal, which has all kinds of Mark Twain history, and then end up in St. Joe's with the Pony Express Museum and a, a lot of neat stuff there. So, so. Uh, yeah, you can you can make a good uh, several day trip from from St. Joe's back to Hannibal and uh, see a lot of interesting history of the country. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're going to stay stay somewhere, stay in Hannibal because they have this uh, steamboat that goes out on the river, and they've got a band, a jazz band that plays, and uh, uh, it's a wonderful dinner and just a beautiful trip up and down the river. Oh my gosh, my wife and I did that, and we really enjoyed it. So. Yeah, that, that area is just, you know, the Ozarks is down there. I mean, that, Missouri is, a, I went to Branson last summer, you know. Missouri is a great yep. destination for people anywhere in the Midwest. But people here in Southern mm-hmm. Iowa and Southeast Iowa, we we certainly, uh, uh, there's a great catfish restaurant down there in Abelia, Missouri. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so there, there's nothing, that, that that is one fantastic place. And uh I think that's probably good that the park services are uh, helping with those museums because, you know, it'd just be a shame to have all that stuff and then not not have it be feasible, you know. Absolutely. And they just, they maintain it. I mean, they're they're well-maintained. They've got staff that runs it. And uh, even through the whole COVID thing, you know, the last couple of years. And and we visited these places since since all this started in – 2020 and uh yeah everything was open it was you know kind of kind of short staff because obviously they were having trouble keeping employees too but but nothing actually closed down none of these places closed down so uh they had some restrictions in place but uh, they were open to the public and and uh we we enjoyed we enjoyed the the trips into iowa and missouri and even indiana you know i'm coming from illinois so there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the indiana area we're gonna be doing some trips there this summer too well uh we sure our listeners have sure enjoyed listening about your trips and your suggestions and i know with the price of gas people might want to take more advantage of some of these uh destinations that are a little closer won't cost you as much money to get there uh so 
Anyway, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'd like to thank both my favorite Bobs, Bob DeWitt and Bob Zaney, for contributing to this episode. Uh, is there anything that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it now. Uh, we've got some interesting Civil War uh, sites in uh, Missouri and Iowa, believe it or not, but we can talk about that maybe next time. There, there is a Civil War uh Right south of Mount Pleasant, as you cross in there, is it Athens? Is that Athens, the Battle of Athens? Yes, I could I could talk about that for quite a while too. Uh, really interesting, and then it ended up spilling into Iowa uh, accidentally. Uh, there was a Civil War battle in Iowa right across from Athens because they had some uh, some troops in that little town of Iowa. Uh, it's just south of Farmington, Iowa, but they had troops there, and there was cannon fire that accidentally uh, flew across the Des Moines River into Iowa and killed a guy, and so that started the Battle of Iowa, which was the only Civil War battle in Iowa, but uh, it, 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 it'll, it would probably take too long to go into that today, but it's something worth talking about. Well, could you give uh, us, could you give us... Funny could you give us at least a couple minutes about it? You know, because we, we got a little bit of time left. Yeah, the Battle of Athens, and it's from Keokuk, Iowa. It's probably a half hour, and Farmington, Iowa, which is a pretty small town, is just about mm -hmm. 10 miles, maybe north of there into Missouri. And uh, it was an actual town called Athens, and uh, the town just kept dwindling. It was a, a, a port on the the Morning River, there used to be a lot of, you know, back in the old days in the Civil War era, there was uh, these little port towns on the Des Moines River where, you know, that's the way travel was. And and uh, as, as time passed and trains and airplanes and the town kind of died and the town was actually donated, the site was donated to uh, Missouri Park Systems and uh a lot of the a lot of the buildings are still there. There's some Civil War cannons there. Uh, there's a house, that, and it, it, it's pretty neat. It's, it's a big acreage. I mean, it's, it's an old town, so you could walk through and see a lot of the buildings. But uh, there was a mill down on the river that's just it's in ruins now, but you can see it. Uh, but there's a one of the houses, uh, there's a hole in the front, and they've got plexiglass over it, and you walk around back, and it's a little bigger hole in the back, and that's where a cannonball shot right through this house, and uh, they've got it, you know, documented and marked, so, but it was, it was, I don't remember the whole details of the battle, but it's the highest, uh, the highest northern point west of the Mississippi for an actual Civil War battle. And I, I don't have it in front of me the year it took place, but, but uh, you know, there were some southern... Missouri was kind of on the, on the fence. There was a lot of southern support in Missouri, and there was a lot of northern uh, support in Missouri during the Civil War. So this little battle happened in uh, Athens. And I, to me, it's just funny that it accidentally brought Iowa in it because they overshot the town and Atlanta and Iowa and, and uh, you know, killed the guy. And so, of course, the troops got up. And there, there was trains... Uh, 
the tracks going through the Iowa side and a lot of troop transport and supplies were transported that way. So there were soldiers there, and when the cannonball came and killed the guy, there was a lot of shooting back and forth, I guess. But but uh, it, it was an accidental battle they talk about. So kind of kind of funny to hear that. You don't think of Iowa having Civil War battles, and really they didn't, but they were kind of brought into it because of a accidental cannon fire or cannon firing. There's a place down there uh, in that area. They have hillbilly auctions too. Yeah, again, you get on the Missouri Parks website, and like I said, I don't have it right in front of me. But uh, the name uh, escapes me. That that place is fun. They sell guns and coon hounds, and I've even uh, drank some moonshine down there. It's uh, it's it's really a neat trade uh, swap meet place that they have anyway. Well, we've been talking yep. uh, uh, Northeast Missouri uh, with yep. Bob DeWitt. Uh, look, man, I mean, you, you may need more than a day to go down there and see that, but you could go down there and not spend a lot of money and have some wonderful meals. And uh, uh, like I said, that catfish place in Arbelia is really something to see, too. And it's right on the lake. Right? So, and, and the fuel's cheaper in uh, Missouri. Well, it's cheaper well, it's cheaper, way than, cheaper than Illinois. Way <laughs> cheaper than Illinois, but a little bit less than Iowa. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Bob. It was sure a great episode. And uh, this episode 297, so we're cranking them out. Thanks a lot. You are. Uh, 298, actually. All right. Well, uh, All right. Uh, it was nice talking to you, Bob. We'll talk again. All right. Thanks a lot.